We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, fellas, let's uh we got a couple more. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do some more superlatives down at the end. We're gonna do MVP. We're gonna pick our all-Americans, we're gonna have our bold predictions, and we're gonna have which coach has to step up this year. But let's do some stats predictions, fellas. Let's kind of look at who are gonna be the team leaders this year in production. So it doesn't have to be the best player, but just the guy that's gonna rack up the most tackles. So, fellas, let's start off on offense. Who is Notre Dame's going to be Notre Dame's leading rusher this year? I'm very curious to see how you guys are going to go with this one. Well, for me, this is going to be a guy who's probably not going to be the starter uh, because I, I believe Chris Tyree is going to be the starter in the backfield, and I don't see why they would ever change that. Even if it's just the token, he's in there the first play kind of thing. I think he's he is the starting running back. I'm going with Audric Estime. I think, I think he is going to get the rock an awful lot. Ryan said he's going to be the closer. I think his role is going to be a little bit bigger than that as well. And I think they're going to be able to push Tyree, you know, to the slot, out of the backfield, you know, things of that nature. And I think Estime is going to just, he's going to carry the rock a lot. And when they want to slow the game down, they're going to give the ball to seven. He's going to make some plays. I think he's, he's going to get the rock an awful lot. He's going to rack up some yardage on the ground. If we were talking all purpose yards, it'd be Chris Tyree for me. But if we're just talking rushing yards, I'm going with Audric Estime. I think he's going to be the guy. I, I think so, we're going to add a new category to what based on what Vince just said. So Ryan, go ahead. Who Vince, is your I'm pick? I'm so upset at you, man. Audric Estime is my pick too. Just I'm just <laughs> like I'm just like playing a broken record right now. But sure. yeah, he's my guy, man. He's my guy. By the end yeah. of the season, I think he's going to be. I don't want to call him the bell cow because I still think that Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs are going to have their roles. But I I think he's going to be the the volume getter down the stretch, right? So that's that's my guy. That's my breakout. He's been he's been that way all offseason. I'm a big Estime fan and New Jersey native too. Got to got to throw that in there. I agree with you guys that Audric Estime is going to lead the team in rushing attempts. Ooh, I think he's a guy that's going to tote the rock the most. But I'm going with I'm going with Chris Tyree. And here's how I see it playing out, fellas. It's going to be a lot like 2011. You guys remember that year? Like Sear Wood was consistently getting more touches every week than Jonas Gray. But like once Jonas kind of got rolling that year 
he didn't need the same amount of touches to have more yards. And I still believe if Jonas doesn't get hurt against BC, he might have led the team in rushing there. He at least would have gone for 1,000 yards if he doesn't get hurt that year. So I'm going there, but I think Tyree's even more explosive than than Jonas Gray. So I, I think that, you know, I see kind of ed- estimate averaging between 12 to 15 carries a game, somewhere around there. Sometimes it'll be a bit less because Logan Diggs will be hot. I think Chris Tyree will be hot at times, but I think that he'll lead the team in attempts at running back. I think Chris Tyree is going to be around seven yards a carry, and he don't, he won't need as many carries to get there. I think that's kind of where I see this one kind of playing out, fellas, as I see it being a situation where Tyree leads the team in rushing yards. I think that Estimate is going to lead the team in attempts, and I'm not done talking about Estimate when we talk <laughs> about stat leaders. So I do think he's going to lead in attempts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go to leading receiver. And I'm, I'm purposely leaving these kind of open-ended. Yeah, I know you did. And so, I realized so, that if I look back. Yes. No, no, yeah. no. You, 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 no, it's all good. I'm going to go with what I had written down. Don't worry. So leading receiver for Notre Dame in 2020. So I read this as the leading person whose position is called receiver. And so okay. I went with Lorenzo Styles. I okay. think I'll give you a chance to correct it. I should have said leader. But see, I wanted to do it this way, Vince, because I didn't want to say receiving yards. Or receptions. Oh, okay. okay. But leading, who's going to be their leading receiver, person who catches the football, who will lead the team in those categories, and you can go with that wherever you want to go with it. I think receptions is going to be Michael Mayer. I think yards will be – I've got Lorenzo Styles in yards. So you're looking at it kind of like how it was last year, basically. Yeah, very Because okay. I do think Michael Mayer is going to catch a lot of balls. But I, I think the run after the catch, Lorenzo Styles obviously has Michael Mayer mm-hmm. in a full race – and a little bit more, you know, shaky in the open field. And so, and I mean that in a good way, obviously, like a shake and bake type of, type of thing. So I, I think Lorenzo's going to get him in yards, and I think Mayer's going to get the receptions leader. Yeah, me and Vince are in the same spot here. I, I also took this as receiving yardage, so originally. So I also believe that Lorenzo Styles has the chance. I mean, I predicted him, Brian, earlier in the offseason. Like, I don't think a 1,000 yards is out of the realm of possibilities, and – I think that Michael Mayer could be more impactful than he was last year and still have around 800 yards, you know, like 700 and something right. yards and still be. He'll have the, the guy. catches. Don't worry about that. In red zone, third yes. downs. Anytime you drop a play for Michael Mayer, he's going to catch the ball because good luck stopping him is what I have to right. say about that. Yeah. Right. He's the safety blanket, red zone threat, whatever you want to call him. 
Michael Mayer is going to do what Michael Mayer does. But I think that's going to unleash a little bit of Lorenzo Styles, and he has the speed, he has the after catchability. I think he's going to create a lot of explosive plays. So yeah. I'm I'm in on the same pick, Lorenzo Styles Jr. So you guys are both saying you think Mayer is going to lead the team in catches and Styles in yards, or Ryan, are you saying both? I also am on the same same wavelength with Vince. Yeah. I think that Mayer probably leads in receptions, but yards goes to Lorenzo Styles. So my initial pick, fellas, was the same as yours. Mayer and catches, and then Styles and yards. I'm actually going away from that now. I think halfway through the year, that's exactly what it's going to look like. But because Lorenzo Styles is going to be doing what he's doing that leads you guys to think that he will be there, and because I have Braden Lindsay as my breakout player, and the fact that you have a running back core that is going to tech, catch – I mean, Logan Diggs is going to be a weapon in the pass game. Chris Tyree is going to be a weapon in the pass game. I think we're going to see more receivers capable of helping this year. I think that's going to be the impact of Chancey Stuckey. It's not going to be that Braden Lindsay has a big year only or Lorenzo has a big year only. It's that you have four or five different guys going to be able to help you. Tobias is going to take some catches away. Where you look at last year, it's kind of like once you got past Style or Lindsay – and and you had Lindsey Davis and Austin. You didn't really have any receivers that really impacted the game till later in the year when Avery Davis got hurt. Lorenzo Styles didn't do anything last year until Avery got hurt. That's not Lorenzo's fault. That's a coaching problem. But I think we're going to see the starters not only produce. I think you're going to see Joe Wilkins catch ten to twelve balls. They're going to be really important plays. I think we're going to see Tobias, you know, as the breakout freshman of the year. I mean, last year the freshman receivers, like I said, didn't do a whole lot until guys went out. I think right. we're going to see Jaden Thomas be a, re- a guy that catches 15, 20 balls this year. I think the receiver yards are going to be spread out a little bit more than they were last year where you had, you had Austin at 888. Then your next highest pass-catching receiver was Avery Davis at 386 in only nine games, and the next is 350. I think we're going to see that spread out a little bit more. And then I also was looking at it, and Mayer last year was second behind Michael behind Austin, but we forget that he actually missed a game. Mm-hmm. So he played one fewer game and only had 48 fewer yards. Now, would he have gone for over 48 yards in that game? Who knows? But I'm, I'm going to go with Michael Mayer for both because I think the rec- I think the receiver production as a whole, guys, is going to be much better than it was last year. But I just think it's going to be spread around a little bit more. So I, I, I get where you guys are coming from, and I think they're great points. I'm going with Mayer on both. What about receiving touchdowns, fellas? Who are you guys going to take for receiving touchdowns? It's Michael Mayer, and I don't know that it's going to be all that close, okay. to be honest with you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, same. I, w- I went with Mayer as well. I'm actually going to go with, on this one, I'm actually going to go with Lorenzo Styles. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that is is because we're going to see some we're going to see some red zone touchdowns of the we're going to see a few more red zone touchdowns of the receivers this year. If the run game is what we think it is, you're going to see some bubble screens, some now screens are going to turn into touchdowns. Some tunnel screens are going to turn into touchdowns for Lorenzo Styles. So I think it's going to be him and receiving touchdowns. And just because I think teams are going to be so fo- Ryan, it goes back to what I said earlier. They're going to be so focused on the run that they're going to play through Mayer to the run in the red zone which mm-hmm. is going to be keying on him a lot, which I think he'll have – I think he'll still have six to eight receiving touchdowns. But I think Lorenzo Styles could get close to eight nine. I mean, Austin had seven last year, and I think I think Lindsey's going to be a much more sound every-game player than Mike and Kevin Austin was. So I'm actually going to go with with, uh, with Lorenzo Styles on that one. So good, like good, good selections, good selections. So, Vince, you brought up, a, you brought up an interesting one. Uh, before we get to touchdowns, all-purpose yards, right? So let's go receiving and rushing. 
Who leads the Notre Dame team? I have a feeling we're this. Maybe this is the one we all are on the same page. Well, who leads the Notre Dame offense in all-purpose yards? Rushing, receiving, not not special teams. Yeah, right. Not passing, just rushing and receiving. Who has the most? Well, I already tipped my hand and I said that I thought Chris Tyree would have the most, you know, all-purpose yards, and I and I still think that because I think he's going to be dynamic out of the backfield, both when handed the football and thrown the football. He, he's just going to be so good. I mean, you're, he will have over a thousand yards all-purpose, no doubt in my mind. I don't want to put a cap on it, like you said earlier on some other stuff, but he's going to have over a thousand all-purpose yards, offensive all-purpose yards, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think he surpasses that easily. So, I Chris Tyree is going to be a two-headed monster when it comes to offensive production. I mean, there, there's a world where Chris Tyree has between seven, eight hundred yards rushing, in my opinion, and four hundred plus receiving. Yes, right? Like, absolutely. I think that's the world that we may be living in. So, again, I hate to. Side with Vince just continuously the last three picks, but I also went with Chris Tyree for this one. I know Vince, you're brilliant, but you know, I'd like to be an individual sometimes, but I cannot be on this one. It's a great pick. I'm going with Tyree. You know who you know who I think so it's gonna be Tyree, but if he gets if he gets hurt somewhat early in the year, I think it's gonna be Logan Diggs. Oh yeah, because wow. yeah. I think Diggs is gonna Diggs is a really good pass game weapon. I see him being sort of like a Kyron Williams last year. You know, can catch 30-plus balls for 300-plus yards. I could see him being that guy in that conversation. But you know who my number two pick is is going to be if it's not Chris Tyree? Brayden Lindsey. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because oh, he – I mean, because remember what he did in 2019? You know, he only had like 200-some receiving yards, but like we're talking about him being full-time. He had over 200 rushing yards that year, guys. Yep. And I think right? they're going to so, roll big time. Go. He's talked about it in his press conferences. Right. He's had a chance to meet with the media about why he's so good – at running those, you know, those end around, yeah. you know, jet sweeps and stuff. Braden, why are you so good at that? Because I'm faster than everybody they have on their defense. <laughs> no, like, it was, it was, I transcribed that interview for for uh, for Sean, and it was like, yeah, he's really fast and he knows it. That's basically yes. out of that. But yeah, he would be my choice if it's not going to be Chris Tyree. I, I'm going Braden Lindsay because I think they are going to use him in the run game just to spread things out, get people out of the box move right. him around and he's so right. fast and dynamic and every time i've been to notre dame like outside of practice you know they've got those fields on the north side of campus and i'll, I'll take my son and we'll go kick or whatever he's almost always there doing work by himself yeah. like this guy has a different mentality right now and i think it's going to show yeah starting on september 3rd yeah i i just i feel like he is the only guy that if everybody's healthy he's the only guy that i think can challenge Cause like the, like so let's say Lorenzo has 850 receiving yards. Now there's a chance you could have Lorenzo could get 100 rushing yards. I mean he had a, he had a reverse last year for a, a good gain. Uh, was it against Virginia that he had that? I think he had one for a big gain. It got ended up being like a 37 yard run, but he actually went for 50. It got called back because of a hold by by uh, Deion Colsey. If you guys remember that? So I do remember. In, that. in the stat book, it was only 30 some yards, but it actually went for a touchdown, I believe. So I could see it being Lorenzo because of if he gets a couple of those, but I just feel like that's going to be more of what you're using Braden for. I could see Braden around, you know, 550 receiving yards. I could see him around like 300 to 350 rushing yards and just kind of being in that conversation. But as long as Tyree is healthy, I see him being a thousand over a thousand yards this year in total offense. I just that's kind of where I'm at, guys. And I picked him to be my number one leader in rushing yards. I think he's going to get at least three, four hundred receiving yards. And he doesn't need a whole lot of catches to get there, as we saw last year. I mean, he had over 100 yards in two games, or I mean, in two catches last year. When you think of the 55-yard touchdown reception on that little quick, 
you know, a little sneak out uh, route against Georgia Tech. And then, of course, the, the the ball that he caught against Oklahoma State that he split the defense right down the middle. I mean, like part of like the Red Sea because everyone was blitzing. And so he went for for 50 plus in that game as, on that play as well. So I that's why I think Chris Tyree will be the pick. But I do think Braden Lindsay could make this really interesting, guys. Very, very interesting. So let's go. Let's go. We're going first. We're going first do. Well, let's just do it. Let's go. T- predictions from you guys on Tyler Buckner statistics for the season. So I, I'm terrible. I just want to. This is my love hate relationship with this show. It's the bold predictions and it's predicting stats. Like I am horrible at this. But with that said, everybody listen to what I have to say. Vince uh, hates the show. That's what we just heard Vince say. That's we're all listening to Vince say he hates this show. Okay. Love hate. Love hate. Okay. Love, hate. I love talking Notre about. Hate. I, I yeah, of course you did. I <laughs> love talking about Notre Dame and I love talking about this team because I think this team is going to be really really good. So, my prediction for Tyler Buckner. Here we go. Twenty eight hundred yards in the air. Okay. 25 passing touchdowns, 500 yards on the ground, 12 rushing touchdowns, eight interceptions. Okay. Let me just ask this real quick, Vince. Where do you see his completion percentage being? Just out of curiosity. I see him being around 62, 63%. Yeah, I don't want to get too – I don't want to get too rose-colory glasses because I I do think they're going to push – the ball down the field a little bit more and th- that will automatically bring down your, you know, he is yeah, not, be not all RPOs. they are right. going to pass people deep. And so that's going to bring down the percentages a little bit. Okay, Ryan. So I went 3,100 yards passing 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 61% completion percentage, 700 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. Okay. All right, interesting. I'm not giving my stats because I am holding them for my bold prediction, fellas. I like it. So let's move on to defense. Who leads the Notre Dame defense in tackles this season? This one is actually I'm I'm still not loving my answer, and I'll explain <laughs> why. But Vince, who leads the defense in tackles this year? This one was tough for me too because I think there's going to be a rotation at linebacker. I still think it's going to be a linebacker. It's hard for me to go away from the guy who led the team in tackles last year in J.D. Bertrand from the will position. I think he is going to get the majority of his snaps at Mike, and I think that's going to lead to more tackles automatically, even though I don't know that he'll get as many snaps as he got last year. Because like I said, I think there's going to be a three-for-two kind of a situation there with Bo and Maris. So I still have J.D. Bertrand as my leading tackler. I still think he's going to be around the football an awful lot. I think he's going to be making a lot of just those routine tackles up the middle. As long as he's healthy, I'm going with Maris Loyfowl. I think that he's going to have a lot of opportunities because of the range that he has and the the motor that he plays with, the great effort that he plays with. So I'm going to take Maris. I think he's going to – I think he could be a 100-plus tackle guy if he's healthy, barring injury, of course. So my initial answer was J.D. Bertrand because he's the Mike. I think the production is going to be there, but I also kind of was like, okay, well, hold on a second. He's going to be playing. Bo Bauer's going to play there some. I think Junior's going to play there some. I think it's going to be enough where, like last year, he didn't rotate a lot of Will because there was no other options. Correct. And he had to play Will. And so I actually think JD is going to be more productive on a per snap basis than he was last year. I just think their desire to, number one, have a deeper rotation. 
Number two, I think the presence of Maris means you're going to see JD less on third down than you saw him last year. And then number three, I think that Notre Dame's going to have more blowouts this year you know, than they had last year. I mean, you know, the UNOVs, the Navies, the teams like that. So I think that's going to tamp down his snaps a little bit too because they were super thin at linebacker last year they by were. the middle of the and season. Super deep now. It's, yes. It's looking yes. this year. I will say that. So I actually – I so that's why I went off J.D., even though he led the team in tackles last year. I think he's going to be more productive on a per-snap basis, but I just think his snaps are going to be down by design, even if he's healthy. I'm going Marist, but I don't love it because I do think he's also going to rotate a little bit as well. Part of me wanted to go Brandon Joseph just because mm-hmm. I don't see him coming off the field. No, right? I uh, hardly at all. And no. so, I'm, but I'm going to go with Marist because I can't predict him as my breakout player because if he's a breakout player, he's going to be productive. And I think that's going to lead the team in tackle. So I could see him having in the 80s. Or I, I have a, I, I will not be shocked this year, guys, if Notre Dame's leading tackler this year does not get to 100 tackles. Because, number one, I think we're going to see more plays from the defensive line. Number two, I think we're going to see a, a, a more heavy rotation this year. Number three, I think Notre Dame is playing more passing teams this year that are going to get the ball on the perimeter, which is going to up the tackles for the corners, the rover, and the safeties. And then, you know, the, the final piece is just – the like uh, the rotation because the, the rotation is going to be part of it as well. So I'm going to go with Maris, but I don't think they're going to have anybody at 100 tackles this year unless JD is just so good at Mike that you can't justify taking him off the field as part of rotation. Now maybe that happens, or 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 Maris just has a insane season this year. That's the only other the only other potential for me to have someone with 100 tackles. Or Notre Dame plays 14 games. That would be the other exception to that. Yeah, so, fair enough. Leader in sacks, go. Foskey. Should be quick. Foskey. Okay, same here. I say right. Foskey. <laughs> I, just, I don't nope. care. No, hey guys, we can roll right past that one. <laughs> let's gonna... move on to let's move on to leader in interceptions. Brandon we'll curveball at you guys oh, after boy. this one. What so you... leader in uh, interceptions. Okay, well, it's still Brandon Joseph for me. I think. Look, Kyle Hamilton led the team in interceptions last year with three. He tied DJ Brown, and he played half a season. Same position. You can try to avoid him all you want, just like people tried to avoid Kyle Hamilton. It don't matter. Brandon Joseph is going to be making plays all over the field. I still think he leads the team in interceptions. I, I think it's Brandon Joseph as well. I, I, I Look, the kid has nine interceptions the last two years. People avoided tried to avoid him in the passing game in 2021 with Northwestern, and he still had three interceptions. Like, he just has incredible ball skills. So, yes, going with Brandon Joseph. And we've seen it at practice. I mean, he's got them. Makes a ton of sense. Can't can't disagree with you guys. I could see a scenario in which three or four guys kind of are similar near the top. I'm going with a tie. I'm going with a tie at the top, and I'm going with Cam Hart, and I'm going with Tariq Bracey. I think they're both going to tie for those that for like four or five, right? I don't see someone picking like eight passes off. There's any of those two guys are four or five. A couple reasons. Number one, I don't think teams are going to throw at Brandon Joseph a ton. I think Brandon is going to be playing at center field a decent amount this year. Uh, it's just what I think. Uh, I thought about going with Clarence Joseph, Clarence Lewis, but I I don't think that was thinking maybe if he plays more field, I would be there because I could see tip balls and Clarence being in the right place at the right time. But I'm going with Tariq Bracey because I think he's, number one, going to have a couple tipped interceptions this year. Meaning, you know, like a ball gets tipped at the line, he's playing right there in the nickel, and he picks it off. I think he's also going to have some plays where he just beats a guy to a spot and picks a pass off, which is interesting because he's not a guy that's had a lot of interceptions in his career. 
He hasn't, but I think that's part of my sort of X factor breakout. So I'm trying to have some consistency in some of these numbers. You know what I mean? And Vince, if you're right in him, you know, Cam Hart taking his game to another level. And, and I think because I do expect him to still be to the field, you're going to see some of those tip balls are going to go to him too. I think teams there's more. And I think the other thing too is guys, there are going to be more teams on the schedule this year, as we talked about earlier with the, with the tackling that there's more teams on this schedule that want to get the ball out in the perimeter than what they faced last year. And because of that, there's going to be more opportunities for the perimeter, the field and the nickel to make more plays on the ball. And when you look at like Clarence last year, he got that early interception against Florida State, but he's playing the field, right? That was as a field corner and before they switched into boundary. So that's why I'm going with my prediction for those two guys. I think it's going to be a tie with four to five interceptions with Tariq Bracey and Cam Hart. That's, and I think Cam Hart's going to end up, he's going to have several early and not a lot late. Yeah, because I think by the end of the year, teams are like, and it's going to be, it's easier as an offensive coordinator, it's easier for me to avoid a corner than it is to avoid a safety, which is yeah. another reason that I went with Brandon yeah. Joe. But as a field receiver, right. it's going to be a little tougher right. to avoid. And where you're coming from, yeah. Cam, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, let's go something else on defense. Who is going to lead the team in turnovers, total fumble recoveries, and interceptions? And does your answer change? Because mine does. So Vince, which you going to start us off. Or, or if you guys need a second, I can go ahead and start. Okay, Ryan, why don't you go and start us off? Because I, I didn't tell the guys I was going to throw this one out there. This is new. This. I think okay. I, I know where I'm at. But you go ahead. I'll give you the, the lead off here, Ryan. My, mine's still Brandon Joseph. Mine does not change because not only does he is he going to have interceptions, I also think that being the last line of defense, there's going to be some dribblers, you know, out, as mm-hmm. far as forced fumbles that kind of find his hands, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I would think that for me, it is still going to be Brandon Joseph. He'll have four to five interceptions and maybe two to three fumble recoveries. I don't know. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. It's still my guy, same guy. It makes a lot of sense. And Vince. that's where I was going to go to. I think they're going to use him off the edge some as well. I think, I think that he is a dynamic guy off the edge. He can be, I think they're going to move him all over the place. And I think that he's going to get some, some strips. I think he could get some fumble recoveries. I think he could get some fumble, uh, you know, initiate some fumbles some strips and things like that. So I, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Brandon Joseph. Okay, so I am going with Maris Luafau, and here's how I see it. I think Maris is going to have about three interceptions. If the guys that lead the defense and interceptions have five, I think Maris is going to have like about three or four. I think also Maris is going to have about three fumble recoveries for similar reasons to kind of what you were talking about with Brandon Joseph. I see balls. I see number one. I see Maris and Vince kind of what you said. I see Isaiah coming with a sack or Adam Miola hitting a quarterback in the face. The ball kind of floats in the air, and Maris is right there to pick it up and run with it, right? I think same thing on the perimeter. You're going to see, you know, maybe like a bubble screen or an off-tackle play away. Somebody comes and strips the ball. Maris is right there by the pile, picks it up, because I think he's going to be around the ball a ton this year. And if he's going to be the kind of breakout player I think he's going to be, guys, I think that's going to be part of the equation. So I could see him having about about six, seven turnovers total this year. If, if if he is the player that I think he's going to be now, we're putting a lot on a guy that has like 20 some career tackles. Correct. Right. <laughs> so this is a bit of a bold prediction there, uh, you know, but that's just kind of how linebacker play is. That's how a will should be guys. I mean, that's kind of when the will linebacker position has the range that we're talking about. You're talking about a guy, I mean, think about the interception you had in the spring game, you know, pressure comes, 
quarterback has to float a screen pass over the top of the defense, and then who's right there to clean it up, right? I mean, that's kind of how I see this one being. You know, somebody on the on the you know Jack Kaiser, you know, comes in and, and a running back's running four yards down the field. Jack comes from the field, and knocks the ball out. Who's it going towards? The will, right? That's how a will should be, and that's how I think. Uh, that's what I think we're going to see this season. So, you know that it, it's it's a it's a bold prediction, but it kind of has to be there and fitting in with what I was referring to in regard to what we saw from the other team. Plus I think this defense is going to force a lot of turnovers. I'm not saying anything else because that's going to be another part of my conversation. So well, I mean, I mean, most defensive coordinators kind of build their defense around the will be in the playmaking position. So I can get down with it. I mean, they're usually the guys that are making the turnovers, tackle for losses, sacks. So they're doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So I, I can dig it. And again, we're on uh Maris Loyfell fan club here. So <laughs> yes, Ryan, Ryan is definitely in that conversation. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Uh, which I have I have no problem with. I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Okay, guys, let's get to uh, we got our predictions out of the way. So let's get into some big some big time players, some big time numbers. Let's get into our All American list. Okay, let's get mm-hmm. into uh, who you guys think will be a first or second team All American by one of the major outlets. And you we can you know the AP, Walter Camp, AFCA, ESPN. Sporting news, sports illustration, like the just the normal ones, not like some random dude that's got a website that you know picks all Americans. We're not going to go with, you know, I mean, I guess we can go with Pro Football Focus if you want. I don't really care about Pro Football Focus's terrible all American lists. Uh, You know, Vince is still bitter about that from two years ago. All right, guys, so let's go with who do you believe will be the first or second team All-Americans for Notre Dame in 2021. And they've had, what, about four or five, usually most years, about three to four, four to five? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, total. Total, yeah. Okay. Again, I'm not. I don't, we'll see how this goes, how this comes to fruition. But the way I look at this is All-American lists, a lot of it has to do with name recognition. It has to do with popularity especially on the offensive line, okay? Because there's no stats to go off of, right? So I'm going with Jarrett Patterson. I think he will be an All-American. I think Michael Mayer will be an All-American. I think he's a shoe-in. I think Joe Alt has the opportunity to be an All-American, and here's why. He was a freshman All-American, so he's already on, like, a list someplace, and people are like, oh, well, he must really be good. I'm going to playing that premium position in the Notre Dame offensive and- line. His dad played in the NFL, so he's got the lineage, right? And people and sports writers and people like that are going to know that, right? I think he's got an opportunity to be an All-American as well. So those are my three I've, I've got for offense. Jarrett Patterson, Michael Mayer, Joe Alt. I wrote down four. I have three of the same. I have Michael Mayer, easy one. Jared Patterson has the name recognition. He's a preseason All-American already. Joe Alt was my pick because of the left tackle plus really good play. Plus he was, has the name recognition for being a freshman all American. I also wrote down Blake Fisher, not only because I think he can be an all American in general, but he's also technically a redshirt freshman and, and people do leave that in the freshman all American consideration. So I have Blake Fisher down as well on this list. <laughs> I am going to go. I've been back and forth on this, guys. I, I, I'm i going with, okay, so again, this is kind of all playing together on what our predictions are going to be this year, right? So my All-American list is I'm going to include two offensive linemen, neither of which will be Jared Patterson. 
I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Well, I just don't know if he can. I mean, he's got to show me stay healthy for a full year. He's you know. Yeah. I'm going both tackles. I mean, I'm, I yeah. say the best lineman is going to be Blake Fisher, but I think your guys' point is is accurate about uh, about Joe Walt. Look, we have seen this multiple times before, right, guys? I mean, we saw in 2020, Notre Dame had three guys I think earn All American honors, I believe. Uh, at, on the offensive line, I know Aaron Banks earned some All-American honors. Obviously, Liam Aiken, Leichenberg, I think, was a consensus All-American. And if I remember correctly, uh, I believe that Jarrett Patterson also was uh, an All-American. I'm actually pulling up that article now. So Liam Eikenberg was a unanimous, I believe, first-team All-American that year. He was first-team by Sporting News, AFCA, Writers, Walter Camp, CBS, The Athletic, Phil Steele. Aaron Banks was a first-team All-American by AP, AFCA, ESPN, second-team by Sporting News, Walter Camp, and Phil Steele. And then Jarrett Patterson was an honorable mention All-American, so he was not a part of that list. And then we saw two guys be named, but there was two. And then a third guy was an honorable mention. That was just two years ago. Harry, he stands back. We saw two first-team All-Americans again in 2017 with Aaron, with, um, excuse me, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. Vince, I think you nailed it. It's about recognition. And now that Harry He stands back, if Notre Dame's offensive line is what we think it's going to be, fellas, there's going to be a lot of talk and a lot more spotlight on that unit. And the perception is, because what do we've always said about all Americans? It's kind of like a who are you and where do you play kind of list, right? And we both all think Notre Dame's pretty good. There's going to be a lot of talk about the Notre Dame offensive line and Harry He stand and all that and who are going to be your dudes. And it'll and to me, it's going to be Alton Patterson. You know, if I were going to I was going to say one of my bold predictions was there going to be at least two All-Americans on the Notre Dame offensive line. And then I that's how I remembered about the multiple guys. Like, that's not really that bold. They've done it twice in the last five years. It's not really that bold of a prediction. So, But I'm going to go – I think it's going to be two. Two Notre Dame guys are going to be All-Americans. It's going to be – I predict Alton Fisher. But if it's Fisher and Patterson or Patterson-Alt, it could be in that kind of category. I think there will be two All-American offensive linemen, first or second team. That's going to be mine. Defensively, I'm actually going three. Who did you guys have as your defensive All-Americans? Did you guys give all your defensive All-Americans or just do offense? Okay. Just offense. Let's go, Vince. That's what I thought. Let's go, Vince. Let's go with your defensive All-Americans. That's what you get. Goes around. I have three as well. Uh, you said you have three defense. I have three defensive as well. Isaiah Foskey's a no-brainer for me. Brandon Joseph has already been an All-American, and I think the spotlight of being at Notre Dame and if he has a season that I think he's going to have, I think he's a shoe in. And he's been one. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's been one. Yeah. He's been an All American. So he's already been on the list. So I think he has the opportunity to be one. And you know where I'm going with my third one, baby. Cam Hart, number five, All American. <laughs> I mean, if you're right, though, about him being the breakout player for Noreen this year, then, then it, right. he, he'll, he'll, I think he'll be an All American. Right. And Ryan, let me ask you this before you give me yours. Yep. Do you think there are enough high profile corners? to keep cam for being an all-american if he does have that kind of breakout season that vince is talking about. i mean there's some there's ricks there's you know but if if cam has the kind of year that vince is talking about do you think there's enough high profile corners to keep him off the first or second team lists it's it's kind of a weird i, I think it's kind of a weird cornerback landscape in college football this year because i wouldn't say there's anybody that's like slam dunk but you do have some name recognition guys to your point like eli ricks and sure. kaylee ringo and Cam Smith from South Carolina is a player that has some conversation. Clark Phillips from Utah. Garrett Williams. I, I think Cam Hart has yeah. a shot, though. I think he does, personally. But Who are yours, though, Ryan? Yeah, Um. so it's funny. I have three as well. One different than Vince, though. I have Isaiah Foskey. I have Brandon Joseph, for all the reasons Vince listed. 
And I have a freshman All-American in Jaden Mickey uh, as my freshman All-American, you sly dog. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to do freshman All-Americans, then there is a no-brainer, no-brainer that Blake Fisher will be on freshman yeah. All-American list. Because, because freshman All-American lists include all- redshirt freshmen. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid that he's even We eligible. don't think that they yeah. should. Here's the other thing. If some of you guys are right, or some of us are right, about Audric Estime's production this year, because you know what we skipped? We skipped who's going to lead the offense in touchdowns this year. And I have a feeling we're all going to predict either Estime or Buckner, correct? Uh, this, is just, no, this is just this is just touchdowns that you're responsible for, not passing as well. Who are you going to go with? I was I was going with Chris Tyree on that. Tyree? Okay. Yeah. Right. So if Estime, Vince, you and I if we're right, you know, Ryan talked about Estime being the leading rusher, though, correct? Yes. He is also a redshirt freshman. He right. will be a guy that'll be in the consideration for the freshman all-American list. It'll be a little tougher there because there's a, a few incoming freshman backs and some redshirt freshmen that I think will have a chance to be that guy. And some, some kid for, you know, some school, Georgia tech or something like that, will be a redshirt freshman. that will break out, put up a lot of yards and that that'll get that too. But I think Blake Fisher is definitely going to be a freshman all-American. I like Ryan, how you thought outside the box a little bit and went freshman all-American. That's oh, a good man. one. Smart. I dig that one. I dig that one. And are there any like, I mean, you know, Tobias could be in that conversation. I just don't know if his production is going to be enough. He's not going to have enough production. Yeah. to. If it was just true freshman, just true freshman, yeah. then maybe we could have a conversation right. about Tobias. But I think I, he's going to have a tough time because of the redshirt freshman aspect of it. So, sometimes I see linebacker lists for the freshman All-American that aren't incredibly like crazy. So I was even thinking like maybe Junior Tayo Lamaka yeah, if he has like a breakout here at the end of the season. Like if he ends up with like 50 tackles, but like it's not a crazy linebacker year, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but we'll see. I'm going with um, – we, we all have two of the same. We all have Foskey. We all have Brandon Joseph. We're, but we all have a different third on defense. And mine's Marist. Again, I have to follow – I have to be consistent with my previous points, right? Like if Marist has a breakout and he leads the defense in tackles and leads the defense in forced turnovers and the defense is what we think it's going to be, then I think that's an All-American season either first or second team. Somebody's going to have him on a first, second team All-American list. I mean, I think that's – logically that makes a lot of sense for me. So I with Cam, my my only issue with Cam, Vince, to your point, is I think cornerback All-American more than any other position is driven by either A, silly stats like Kobe Bryant last year, or B, reputation. Sure. And and that to me is like, but I see guys that like that are All-American, like, how was that guy All-American? Well, you know, he's preseason. Yeah, but did you watch him play this year? Like, you know, it happens all the time, but sure. it's just – you know, how many of these guys are at games, they're watching on TV, you can't see the corners half the time when you're watching on TV unless they make a play on the well, ball. He's got a great opportunity right. in, in right. uh, six days. I mean, to- the people deciding All-Americans are the same people that felt that they, it was smart to give Kobe Bryant the Jim Thorpe Award over Ahmed Gardner, Sauce yeah, Gardner. You know, it's like, come on now. You know, so <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going with that one, guys, and, and why we're – Don't even get me started on Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> he's a nice player. But he wasn't even the best. Yeah. Cor- he was arguably the third best DB on their team, much less I, the I, best DB. I don't, I don't even football. think it was arguable, to be honest. <laughs> you're because you, Ryan, you think Brian Cook was better than him as well at safety, correct? Brian Cook was a good player, yeah, man. He was. He was, player. he was. All right, guys. Last two before we get to our bold predictions. Which coach on the Notre Dame staff? Which let me rephrase. Excuse me. Which assistant coach? Because if we just go coach, it's Marcus Freeman, right? Which coach, which assistant coach, and on we'll pick one on offense, one on defense, has the most to prove or the most 
pressure. If Notre Dame is going to reach their peak, it's because this coach has a big year. Vince, let's start with you on offense. I'm not going with Harry Heastand because it's just it's expected. I he's going to have a great year as a coach. Those guys are going to have a great year as a unit. I can't go with him. I just can't. I, I he doesn't need to step up. He just needs to do what he does. Chancey Stuckey is my pick on offense because if the wide receivers aren't who we need them, who Notre Dame needs them to be, then this offense is not going to be what Notre Dame needs the offense to be. Plain and simple. They, Chancey Stuckey needs to be a guy. He needs to be a dude. He needs to teach these guys how to be receivers from the ground up. And he's doing that. Everything that I've seen in practice backs up the fact that he's doing it, but it still needs to show up on game day big time, you know, on Saturday, this coming Saturday, and then throughout the season. But he's got very small shoes to fill, but a lot of work to do. And so there's a lot of pressure on Chancey Stuckey as a second-year Division One wide receivers coach. And I think he's doing it, but we still need to see it. Small shoes to fill. It sounds uncomfortable. I'm, I'm going with Harry Heastand. I am because I think that he has the biggest potential impact on this team, he can help the passing offense, the running offense, because of how good <laughs> – stop, Ryan. I'm trying to concentrate, man, of how good <laughs> this offensive line could be. could have such a big impact on every facet of this offense. So although I agree, Vince, we know what Harry Heastan is. He doesn't need to add to his resume. If we're talking about the, the best of what Notre Dame offensively can be next year, I think it's because the offensive line took a huge step up because I can't lie, the – how bad it was last year is still ingrained in my mind. And you're that, that could be same for the wide receiver position because it was all, yeah, also right. bad. Equally. But man, that offensive line was hard to watch last season. It was. Points. I agree with that. At many points, not some points. I'm going Tommy Reese. Ooh. Harry Heastan is obviously – it's like Vince, I think, to me – I mean, Ryan's point is Harry Heastan has the – job that's going to be the foundation of this offense if the offense is good right the job Harry Heastan is going to do is going to be vitally important but I kind of feel like you Vince like with coach Heastan it's like dude just do you right like just do you right I still think at the end of the day if coach Heastan does a phenomenal job there's a lot of other aspects that he's not touching the attitude of the team the way that this staff works together the way the staff goes about its business the the mentality that they kind of create on the perimeter the ability to make the right decisions when it comes to who we're going to rotate, how deep is our depth chart. And then, of course, there's putting together game plans and calling plays. And when you're in a year where three of your best opponents are expected to be offensive juggernauts, or at least two are, you know, Clemson is – I got to think the national analysts that are pre- predicting Clemson to be back in the playoff have to be thinking their offense is going to get back on track this year, right? I mean, they, I know their defense is good, but they can't be thinking it's going to be that that good that to the point where they don't have to score. So the expectation is that two of your three best opponents, potentially three of your best opponents, are going to be really good. So you're going to get into some games where you've got to be able to to outscore them. And and the other thing, too, is I think the job he's going to do as quarterback coach is every bit as important as the job Harry Easton is going to do as the offensive line coach. So when you add those two responsibilities together for me, guys, that's why it's Tommy Reese. And whether it's pressure uh, who has the most pressure? It's Tommy Reese. Who has the you know highest expectations? Tommy Reese. The guy who is the key to this offense taking that next step? It's Tommy Reese. If Tommy Reese is the coach that we think he is, because again, guys, we know what Harry's going to do, right? The offensive line is going to at least be good this year because of Harry Heastan. 
But if Tommy Reese can be the director of this orchestra, right, making sure Chancey's doing what you do, Dalen, you do your thing, Jared, you do your thing, Coach Heastan, you're my guy, you're my right, you're my right hand man. I think Harry Heastan is going to kind of take the role that John McNally did last year, John McNulty did last year. John McNally, see, I'm thinking about the offensive line. John McNulty did last year of that trusted aide that he's known for a long time. That when the going gets tough, and because what will happen in games, guys, Vince, you know this. You'll, you'll get in that situation. Hey, guys, what are we thinking here? And everybody's going to kind of give their input. There's going to be one coach whose input's going to matter the most. He's either going to confirm what those other guys said or he's going to lead you in another direction. For Tom Reese, it's going to be Harry Heastan, in my opinion. That doesn't mean he doesn't trust Jared Parker or Dela McCullough or Chancey Stuckey or his GAs or whoever else. It's just when the game is on the line and Harry says, I can give you time, then he's going to throw the football. If it's a situation where you got to run the ball and Harry's like, Look, we gotta, we gotta run this behind so and so, then guess what Tom Reese is gonna call? Whatever Harry Reese told him to call. That's what a good offensive coordinator does. That's exactly. not saying he's gonna rely Trust on somebody else. That's what a good offensive coordinator does. Hey, I put all the pressure this week on Jared and Chancey to step up and figure out what our red zone package is going to be. And so we're in a situation I'm going to trust them to say to, to trust their advice in this situation and then make the call. I may tweak it or whatever the case may be. That's all the responsibilities that Tommy Reese has this year. And if he thrives in them, and I, I think he can, but he's got to prove it, fellas. I mean, look, Absolutely. we all think Tom Reese has a chance to do some really special things this year. He's an up-and-coming coach, but he doesn't have Brian Kelly looking over his shoulder anymore, holding him back, which was our perception of what Brian Kelly did. Now it's time for Tom Reese to show that. And if he can show that, then I think this team's got a chance to be really, really, really good. I think he will, which is going to lead into all of our future predictions. So that's why I'm going with Tom Reese. It's that combination, fellas, of the coordinator, the director of it all, and then the quarterback coach, right? Because I think there's a lot of people in the chat, and I'm going to ask this for like Sid Irish and some of the people that are, are, are skeptics of Coach Reese. What are you more skeptical of? His ability to put a game man together and play call or his ability as a quarterback's coach? I think most people will put it on his ability to develop quarterbacks because of the lack of success that he's had there. We can debate and argue whether it's actually his fault or if it's on Brian Kelly or, or, or a combination of Coach Reese early because he was still learning to be a coach. Now it's Brian Kelly. I think all those things are, are, are there. To me, this is the thing that I think he's going to get a chance to prove. And if Tyler Buckner does the things that we all think he's going to do, a big part of it is going to be because Coach Reese put him in position to be there and then Tyler's talent then takes over. So I'm going with Tommy, with Tommy Reese on that one. Let's go defense, Vince. I was thinking I was going to go with Al Golden uh, just because of pretty much everything that you said about Tommy Reese, yep. but I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to go with Washington. I'm going to go with the defensive line coach. And here's why. Number one, he's stepping into an amazing situation with the defensive line that he has to coach. Number two, he's coming in from Ohio state coaching the linebackers where they weren't very good. They weren't very good. And he had, he kind of has that stigma from some people that, Hey, he couldn't get it done at Ohio State. Now he's at Notre Dame. You know, of course, we're hearing more about that because they're playing Ohio State in game one. But I have been hearing it, right? So, hey, he couldn't do it as a linebacker coach at Ohio State, so he goes over to Notre Dame. He's going to coach their, their defensive line. So I think there is a little bit of pressure also because he is taking over for a guy who was really good at his job. He was. I mean, uh, And respected. And, and respected. the fan base and the players and all Absolutely. That, right? And he left on his own accord to go to his alma mater. Okay, great. So there's a lot for Al Washington to have to live up to as the defensive line coach at Notre Dame, right? So I, I think there's a lot of pressure there. I, I think he's going to, I think he's doing a really good job with him. 
I think he's doing a great job on the recruiting trail. I think he's doing a good job at practice, you know, all of those different things. But I want to see what, you know, let, let's let's see him prove that he can take this this defensive line to the next level. I, I am going to go with Al Golden. I know you mentioned him briefly, Vince. I think that the assumption across the fan base is that the defense is just going to be good. And I have a high, high I, I think that they're going to be really good units overall, right? Like I do, I have high expectations for the team, but I mean, there's still a changing of the guard, right? Like it's still a new defensive coordinator with, that's going to put his own spin on things. And there is some, I, I think there is something in the back of people's minds. It's like, is he going to be able to take that step with this defense? That is as a first year, just naturally. And then when you add in the fact that he hasn't called a defense since 2004, 2005, whatever it is, right? Like there is some people that are going to say, what are you expecting as a defensive coordinator? Because you just haven't seen it. So mm-hmm. I think there's some uncertainty around Coach Golden. I expect him to do really well, but I need I I need to see him call a defense. I haven't sure. seen it in my. I mean, I can't remember ever seeing Al Golden call defense in my adult life. To, uh, uh, my adult life. So got to see it. And I think there's expectations for the defense, but until I see it, I need to. I need to. I need to see it to believe it at this point. So Vince, you know what my response to that is going to be, right? To me uh, or to, to, to Ryan. Ryan about because I Ryan everything you said is fair yeah about the 05 thing but what I have it's what I said when they hired Clark Lee and everybody's like, hold on a second you're gonna hire a guy that's never called a game before and I was like I just believe Ryan when it comes to being a coordinator if you got the chops you got the chops and you know Notre Dame went 12 and 0 and went to a playoff and had a pretty darn good defense two years removed from Brian Van Gorder in large part because you know Clark Lee took over a defense that was established pretty good and said, Hey, take it to the next level and, and build around it. And I, you know, I think that that's what I expect from Al Golden. So perhaps Al Golden's not on my list because I do expect them to just at right. least keep this thing going and just build on it a little bit. But I think for me, Al Golden can't do that, Ryan. Al Golden can't do all the things that you're expecting him to do, that I'm expecting him to do, that Vince is expecting him to do as the defensive coordinator if the cornerbacks don't play at a high level. And, and there's a, I, I think, I don't think people appreciate enough the job that Mike Mickens has done the last two years. When you consider the talent issues, the injury issues, the, co- pardon me, COVID issues from 2020, where his first year there, he gets one spring practice and then the season's canceled. So he can't instill the things he wanted to instill until they get to fall camp. It's just such a weird year. Last year, you're dealing with a sophomore that, if we're all being honest, shouldn't have been starting for a team that's battling for a playoff spot. Let's be honest about that. You got another kid who, who's converted from wide receiver, uh, you know, and Cam Hart. Your depth is basically made up of a bunch of freshmen who missed mostly missed their senior years because of COVID, and they were still a competent group and they were a, a part of an 11 and one football team. There's a lot of pressure on Mike Mickens to, to kind of figure out what buttons to push, like. How do you balance to me, number one, getting Cam Hart to the next level, number one. Number two, how do you balance trusting Clarence Lewis with also knowing that you need more guys to play and that there are going to be situations that can you – are you going to be comfortable taking talent over trust at times if Clarence is struggling? They didn't do that last year. They just kept throwing Clarence out there. Maybe it's out of necessity. So – can he make those decisions? Does he have the freedom to make those decisions? Can you get – and then the other part of it is you got to get those guys ready to go. you got talented young players. You've got the two freshmen we talked about. you got Ryan Barnes. You've got Chance Tucker. 
You've got now Clarence as a junior. You've got Tariq Bracey coming back. You've got Cam Hart. Now's the year for him to show the rest of the college football world what, what you and I, Vince, I think believe him to be, which is a really good football coach. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I don't know if we've talked a lot about this, so that's why I'm leaving you out of this conversation. I want to speak for you because I'm not sure what your stance is on that. But I think I think Mike Mickens being able to push all the right buttons this year at cornerback guys is going to ultimately determine the utmost level to which Coach Golden can get there. Because if, if Al Washington does his job and Al Golden does his job, but Mike Mickens doesn't do his job, or, and you could even make the same case for Chris O'Leary. Yeah, yeah. If Michael yeah. Mike Mickens doesn't do his job from tackling, <clears throat> from assignments, from all that kind of stuff, then all of a sudden you're giving up big place. And and to me, those are the things that could be the negators for all the other things. So I think Mike Mickens has a big, big task in front of him this year. I think he's up to it. So we're kind of picking the guy that's you know that that is sort of in that spotlight, but. I actually think he's going to do a, a, a great job this year, but he's got to go show me now, right? He's got to go prove it. But I, I don't know if there's an assistant coach on this team other than Tommy Reese that has more. And part of Tommy Reese's thing is there are some people that just going to always judge Tommy. They're going to look at him two ways. One, he's Brian Kelly's boy, which if you know Tommy Reese at all, you know that's not true. And number two, they still view him as a player and what he was as a player. And I think that's also unfair. I, I think those two guys more than anybody have the most pressure on them and could have the biggest impact on this football team. So that's why I'm going uh going there with those two guys. But I think I think all your guys, I mean, Vince, I get out Washington makes total sense. Ryan, I get yours as well. So uh we have those. Let's go, let's kind of roll. This next one should be kind of easy, guys. This is one I'm gonna make a prediction. One of my bold predictions is we're all gonna have the same picks on both of these two. Okay. No, so, all right. I don't think we will. Defensive MVPs. So this one is the one. If we're going to be off, this is the one we're going to be off on. Yes, in my, in my pick. So okay. Vince, I think we'll offensive. be off on both. But all right, okay. offensive MVP. <laughs> Chris Tyree. Chris okay. Tyree, because I think he affects the offense both on the ground and, and through the air. <laughs> I told you we would be. So I, I think he's going to affect the. I think he's going to affect the offense mm-hmm. in the most ways. So that makes him MVP. That makes him most valuable to me. Tyler Buckner, starting quarterback. Okay hinders on his success, this offensive football team. Okay. I'm going Michael Mayer because I think he is going to be – if he's got to play his game to make sure that everybody else is focusing on him and not everybody else. And he's going to be asked to make some huge plays for this team this year, and I think he's going to make them. So th- I th- had a feeling we might be off for that one. So my bold prediction there is off. Let's go defense, Vince. I'm not going Isaiah Foskey. So okay. that's where you okay. think we're, I'm going. I'm, I'm go. going with Brandon Joseph. Okay. Two-time All-American, potentially. I think he's going to lead the team in interceptions. Okay. I think he's going to lead the team in turnovers. Okay. That spells MVP to me. So I got. So far, with... we're on the same page, Ryan. I, oh. I also went with Brandon Joseph, which I thought was going to be a okay. little bit of the. So did uh, I. I. I thought it was because it's valuable. This isn't most yeah. outstanding, right? It's most exactly. Valuable, and that's the way I took and it. And I too. think a ball hawking, smart, leading safety that's dependable that can get everybody else squared away that sees everything is incredibly valuable. Right. And turn some of those Isaiah Foskey pass rushes into turnovers and those type of things. Yeah, guys, I'm with you. I'm going Brandon Joseph. So we're all on the same page. I I also think, you know, people keep talking about the second cornerback position, but I think having a safety that plays the way Brandon Joseph plays can also help a corner big time. Like, I don't think you now have a safety that can protect Clarence Lewis if Clarence is struggling. Yes. Yes. Yes.